0: What will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor? a light in the heart The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 30 of Dead Man's Chest. First week of our new schedule. New shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Last time I mentioned it. Check out Minute 25 of Dead Man's Chest if you want the full details of all the new stuff going on, the new schedule, and with the extra time, maybe. We just might also be able to get some of those other projects underway. Maybe, perhaps. Ah, procrastination. It's my warm sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> There's no procrastination with the Black Pearl Show. In fact, the new schedule means Pirates of the Caribbean all damn year long. For everybody who's just clamoring for that out there. Exactly. Exactly. I can hear the screams of excitement, or is that indifference? I don't really know. <laughs> Either way, pirates all year long, and three days a week. It gives Heather that time to to stew in her juices and make sure she's up and ready. Really? Gets her going on, or whatever it is. Yeah, I guess I'm just rambling. In the previous minute, Lord Cutler Beckett opens his box, just in time for Elizabeth Swan to stick her pistol in his face.
1: I wasn't well, sure where you're
0: going with that. <laughs> Why? I didn't, I, I, didn't, ca- no I didn't catch it. There's something wrong with that? No. Just recapping the last Nothing minute? Nothing at all. Now let's talk currency. Oh, the 18th century is so edgy, so libertine. By the way, Elizabeth discovers that assuming makes an ass out of you and me when dropping the cursed Aztec gold bomb on Beckett. Come on, Elizabeth. Haven't you ever seen a James Bond movie? The supervillain is never interested in just mere money. There's always the big ticket item, you know, one million dollars. Minute 30 begins with Elizabeth holding Beckett at gunpoint. There's something you need to know. Smug Beckett replies, Ah, you think the compass only leads to Isla de Muerta. So you hope to save me from an evil fate. The minute ends with Beckett signing and putting a seal on the letters of Mark saying, You're making great efforts to ensure Jack Sparrow's freedom. Elizabeth fires back, These aren't going to Jack. Beckett responds, Oh really, to ensure Mr. Turner's freedom then? I'll dot dot dot. What I had in my notes for this particular part here is this minute, I guess I should say, a big bomb. This is the big bomb of the minute. What about pirate word of the week? I send you to the deep. Oh my god! I forgot pirate word of the week. Now that's on me. Damn it! You pirate. Got that right, buddy. Aren't you supposed to jump in before we do all the minute stuff? Now we got to go back and say no. Well, let's pretend. Don't... Let's pretend that we usually do that before we do the recap, and the only after the recaps is when I forgot. So, that's so you your, forget almost every How week? dare you? Yeah. <laughs> so Pirate Word of the Week. I can't believe i forgot, forgotten. I'm always harassing you about it. Man, another blight on my otherwise perfect record. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, Pirate Word of the Week is jellyfish. This isn't your ordinary jellyfish okay. you'd find in the ocean. This is a plump or overweight person. Really? Yes. Or submissive, cowardly, or otherwise weak-willed person. Really? Huh. Yes. That's interesting. You'd be called a jellyfish. What? Not you, but a person no, that's with these characteristics. Huh, jellyfish. Jellyfish. Pirate. It's just hard for me to picture a pirate saying, you jellyfish. jellyfish? You blooming jellyfish. Get over here. Yeah. Sounds no, more like he's talking to his buddies. <laughs> his buddies, if you get my drift, because it's just not a very hardcore word. No. I mean, you can go cracking. No, jellyfish. You also had like filet mignon somebody. I can't remember what it was the other time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what that was. Filet mignon somebody. Cut you to the brisket. Yeah. And then jellyfish. Come jellyfish. on, pirates. Let's keep a consistent record here. Okay. Jellyfish it is. That's a good one. It's interesting. Chunk of rotten seahorse. Chunk of rotten sea? That's a good one. I mean, just to have seahorse. So if you called somebody a seahorse, you'd be like, okay, little dandy, what's going on here? But what can you say? I have Can't no really uh, belittle the pirates. Nope. It's just not politically correct anyways. As I was saying before, we can continue on now after Heather forgot Pirate Word of the Week. Does that recall? Just from a few I seconds ago? I think your ago. recall is incorrect, but okay. The big bomb in this minute is Beckett giving Elizabeth a verbal beatdown. A virtual bitch slap of sorts, I call it. Great. I mean, it's great dialogue in this minute that plays right into the theme of this movie. Love. Yeah. Tragic love. But here's the here's the problem. Beckett opens the door to... Well, he opens the door to his mind games by making Elizabeth think he believes she's giving the sign letters a mark to Jack. This is the, how dare you, be so bold move of Elizabeth in yeah. Christ of the Black Pearl. Just like we saw with our voluptuous handmaiden who kicked the Elizabeth thing in motion, Estrella. Ah, Estrella. We remember you fondly here. <laughs> well, at least one of us does. And I'm talking about you, Heather, for bringing up the voluptuous nature of Elizabeth the other I don't know minute. what you're talking about. Anyways. You brought that up. No. That's the thing, though. I mean, Elizabeth is sitting there talking with Estrella in Curse of the Black Pearl. Well, Will's a fine man, too. You know, it's like, how dare you? That is too bold. Because, obviously, he's below her class level at that time. Overstepping the bounds. Norrington's a fine, smart match. Yeah. Then she throws Estrella, throws somebody else in there, and Will Turner. And then it's like, come on. Let's not talk about that openly here. Just keep that to yourself. Even though they both know what's really going on. Right. This is the same thing. Beckett gives Elizabeth that bold move that's that unspoken thing. And it plays right into whether it's true or not. This doesn't even have to be true. Right. It plays into what we're seeing in this buildup of the movie so far. Or little signs that are building up to a bigger explosion. So we got a mini atom bomb here. (laughs) Just a small one. Yeah. Little boy. Just a tiny one. You know, fat man and little boy. Back to our atomic era. Atomic bombs, they were called. Yep. We'll just call this one little boy. (laughs) It's the names of the bombs. But anyways, he says Jack. And Elizabeth basically says, how dare you? These aren't for Jack. Beckett jumps back with, oh, to save Mr. Turner. And what I find funny is because, well, this is when he pops back with the Moab. But this is the mother of all bombs. Right after she says, consider into your calculations you robbed me of my wedding night. Well, okay, let's hold the phone here. I have to put the... Moab on pause for a second. You notice our innocent Miss Swan didn't say you robbed me of my wedding or wedding day? Yeah, my wedding night. She clearly says, let's look (laughs) at this. Let's analyze and scrutinize this, folks. She clearly says, wedding night. This woman is all backed up, pirate style. She needs some pirate action. Pronto. Give this woman some pirate action, pronto. (laughs) Now, that's why she was touching and rubbing in that cell with Will. Right? Yeah. She's backed up. Okay. There's no denying it. She's touching and rubbing his face in the cell, right? Yes. That was a little like, hey, this is our wedding night. She was looking forward to wedding night. She had her corset ripped off by Jack. She's been primed since Curse of the Black Pearl. Wow. Well, right? I mean, come on. She says wedding night. She, she doesn't say wedding day no. or wedding. She said wedding night. That's right. That's probably why Will didn't kiss her. If he had, she might have exploded. <laughs> it's like, get this woman a pirate immediately. Am I reading this all wrong? Am no. I reading this all wrong? No. And I always thought uh, women dreamed of their wedding day. Now I'm starting to see they're also dreaming of their wedding night. And you gals were all just messing with us guys. Well, she's waited over, well, who knows how many years for that. Yeah, and women say, oh, well, that's not an important thing to me. Come on. Yeah, right. The cat <coughs> is out of the bag. We all know now. Elizabeth gave you guys up. You gals are just messing with our minds. The feeble minds of men. Let's just say that. And you guys are toying with us. Have been for centuries apparently. (laughs) Elizabeth just gave up the goods. I mean, well, figuratively. Not literally because she hasn't given them up yet that we know of. Figuratively, she has given it up. Obviously not. Well, she's angry at Beckett. And we all know that now she's angry at Beckett because of the wedding night. Exactly. So back to the Moab, mother of all bombs. Can't believe that almost slipped by me though. The whole Elizabeth wedding night thing. Oh, really? I caught that at the end. I went back and I go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Hold your Randy horses here, little horn dog. I mean anyways, Beckett's nugget of truth is like this link to the theme of love, tragic love for the movie. a marriage interrupted or fate intervenes, he says. Yes. Now that's like the powerful truth bomb, mind games thing that I've been talking about. getting Elizabeth to doubt her own feelings, getting the audience to wonder, well, hey, Does she not really want to marry Will, but secretly loves Jack? The evidence is piling up so far. You think? Kind of. Jack's clearly torn between the chest the key opens and his heart. Dare I say, Elizabeth. Yeah, but... Which makes the compass confused. That's what we're getting here. His true desire. Because the compass points in the direction of what you really want. Elizabeth says she has faith in both Jack and Will. Right. That Jack will come back for her, rescue her. Then Beckett chimes in with his comment that clearly frustrates her, makes her pause and think for a moment. Now, I'm not saying that this is what's really going on in Elizabeth's mind, but that's all these like signs that are piling up. Yeah. It's like Mel Gibson and signs and M. Night Shyamalan. All the signs are pointing to something, but instead, it's not aliens. I think you already brought that movie up. I know. And it's poignant to bring it up again. The <laughs> signs are pointing to Elizabeth and her need for jack sparrow pirate action but does she really need it or but is wait. she just could she just settle for any old well, not old. pirate <laughs> just any pirate then any port in a storm with the way she was acting with will do you really think she has feelings for jack though well i'm not saying that i think i don't think she does and for one thing i've seen the movie that kind of ruins that part but if you had <laughs> you got to put yourself in that mindset that Frame of mind where you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, but we... Because we're breaking it down from that standpoint. But to look at it, you're getting all these little bits of evidence to make you doubt, does Elizabeth really love Will? Okay, because you can go back to the beginning. Why was she sitting out there crying in the rain on her wedding day? You could go, was she really crying because it was rained out? Or was she now crying because she's not marrying her love? Now, I'm not saying that any of that is actual truth for Elizabeth. What I'm saying is, is this is all little things that the writers, Terry and Ted, have put in here to almost make us second guess this princess, prince charming relationship that they have seem to have found with each other. Two pirates, two people who weren't pirates who have grown to become pirates and who now love each other and are getting married, living happily ever after. Boom. Dead man's chest starts. Dark tones. The wedding is off. It's being rained out. You're wondering what the hell is going on. Beckett jumps in with East India Company and then the whole thing is in shambles as we see. But why was she crying there like we talked about? Yeah. It was before they showed up. She's just crying because it's raining when they could have moved things inside and still had a happy day. She could have had her wedding night. You think rain is going to stop Will? I mean, the guy who hammered on his ingot, all damn curse of the black pearl long. He needed Elizabeth just as much as she needs (laughs) an outlet as well. This is like two magnets coming together. It's going to be like an explosion when they happen. They could split the atom when these two come together. They're so backed up. Wow. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Terry and Ted have like put all this stuff together. This little bits of evidence, like misdirection. This gets back to our misdirection episode. Right? A doubt with the relationship. Yeah. Because you would sit there and go, why would she be crying like that? But then this is it. Because... Beckett is really throwing out. I mean, is this really just a slight delay in the wedding with Will will continue? Or has fate jumped in? Should these two not be married? Fate raises its hand so she can be free to marry where her heart really lies with Jack. That's what Beckett is trying to make her think or the audience believe. Like, really? They're casting doubt on it. Right. It's wordplay. But it's all a setup for tragic love. Loving what you can't have. Maybe one-sided love. Jack has that one-sided love Or is Elizabeth saying she has a one-sided love I mean we know the answer to this We've seen it All of you guys out there have probably seen it But that's the interesting point If you had somebody on the show Or talking about it That hasn't seen Dead Man's Chest And is just seen it one minute at a time Would they be getting the feeling That Elizabeth really doesn't want to marry Will But it wants to marry Jack And that's the tragedy of the situation Jack It's like star-crossed lovers They never meet to actually Conjugate their relationship they're separated. Yeah. And Jack is on Pelagosto, spinning compass, fighting with his real desire, who he wants or what he wants. She's back up crying on her wedding day. It's like, rain on your wedding day. <laughs> Go Atlantis. Right? Yes. And that that's what I'm wondering. Is this all this kind of tragic love setup? Because this is a tragic love story, this movie. Yeah. But is this just build up? For a tragic love story or are they trying to give us that misdirection that Elizabeth is really fallen for will? Or as much as it, it, it's almost like she and Jack are both conflicted. Maybe that's what the point is. Jack's mm-hmm. conflicted with what he wants. Elizabeth is conflicted with what she really wants. So maybe that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Because there's some good direction in this minute too. When Beckett is essentially laughing off the notion it's about the cursed gold, he has his back to Elizabeth and is checking his world map. Yeah. The evil genius of the world map domination thing, as I like to call it. (laughs) So he's doing his thing. He's not conflicted of what he wants. Right. Boom. This is what he wants. He is sure of himself, whereas Elizabeth is not sure what she wants. Yeah. Okay. In the space of what the writers have presented us with. That's all I'm saying. Right. Because I'm not saying that's where her heart truly lies. But all of this comes about in one, like I said, final atom bomb, the fat boy that comes back at the end. Or was Little Boy the bigger one? I think it was Little Boy. Fat Man and Little Boy. Fat Man. See, I, now I'm going to look. Now I can't believe I don't know my own history. Was it a... That's just crazy. Not like my own history. It's not like I was part of the Atom Bomb Project <laughs> that I could disclose anyways. Classified. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. At the There comes a point where all of this explodes towards the end of the movie. We get all this kind of build up. And yeah. it leaves us hanging for the next one at World's End. And that's all I want to know. What's going on here? What really is the the point of this? Because then, of course, we get both of them walking in sync while she holds the pistol under his chin. And I also thought that was part of this good direction. This is kind of good Gore Verbinski setting the stage for this. I mean, him walking right back to her and allowing the pistol to go under his chin is, is really like so emblematic of his confidence, too. The tables are about to turn. You don't really have me. I'm so confident in what I'm doing. I'm just gonna let walk right back to you and let you put that pistol right back under my chin because I'm gonna get inside your mind. Yeah, make you second guess yourself. He really is an evil genius. He is actually or evil henchman of uh, or evil super villain or whatever you want to call it. Super villain. This because we were talking about that too. This the last time is there's this transition is where the lighting comes back into play and we talked about how the lighting has this. Feeling of a mood shift from cold to warm. Yeah. The last time when Beckett first, and then I'll step back to the previous minute. Beckett is in the room, his office. He's in charge. He's got everything going on. He has the upper hand. We have the warm, red, orange glow of the candlelight on uh-huh. him. Kind of that warm upper hand moment there. Right. Elizabeth comes in, gets the pistol on him, says, hey, that's not what you're looking for. I got the letters of Mark. The whole, is going up and we're changing things. Yeah. She... Is there with him and the, the lighting turns to this bluish color. It gets cold. Yeah. And, and here we get that transition back to the warm. So the mood goes from cold to warm again. And it's the opposite flow from the previous minute. They step away from the shadows, these blues, if I want to call it that. The cool lighting back to the candle and the lantern light. Uh-huh. The red. Both Beckett and Elizabeth are illuminated in warm colors now. Elizabeth had the upper hand represented by the cool colors and now even though she has him sign the letters of mark stamp a seal on it he's now gaining that upper hand in the mental game so it shifts back to his original position when she first entered the office it's like this great symbolism i mean it's perfect for back and forth yeah This repartee that they're having with the conversation he's planted a seed of doubt now right or at least in the audience so we see this conversation shift back and forth and i thought that was just like spectacular yeah that's really cool actually I know for everybody who was on the edge of their seat before I moved to sound. Well, this is kind of sound related. Okay. Little boy. Yeah. Little boy. I had to come back to it. The history. Even though it really had no real revelation here. (laughs) But now it got stuck into my mind. So I had to check. Come back to myself. I mean, I knew that there's a reason that they called it little boy versus fat man. That they weren't the same. But besides just having cool names. Little boy was 9,700 pounds. Had a length of 10 feet. Diameter 28 inches. And it was filled with uranium-235 and 140 pounds of that. And it had a blast yield of 15 kilotons of TNT. Whereas Fat Man, was 10,300 pounds, had a length of 128 inches and a diameter of 60 inches. This bad boy was filled with plutonium. You got to go with the plutonium. Oh, yeah. Just doesn't work right if you have Fat Man without uh, plutonium. No. But it had 14 pounds of filling weight on that and a blast yield of 21 kilotons. So there you go. Fat man and little boy. There you go. And then you have the mother of all bombs, the Moab. But we're not going to talk about the Moab. But we do get the creepy sound effect back. Oh, yeah. Notice when he says there's more than one chest of value in these waters? Yeah. We get that supernatural dead man's chest music accompaniment. Right. It's always reminding us that this has a cursed element to it. Something a bit supernatural, magical. This is exactly how the cursed Aztec gold in the medallion was accentuated in the first movie that With audio that. reminder of the prize the thing that yeah. people are searching for but maybe cannot yet acquire it's the item just out of grasp kind of thing and it's kind of interesting that both becca and jack are going are after the same item yeah it is interesting but i think yeah you could wonder like well that's a crazy coincidence right but then again it's you know we're looking at kind of intertwining stories and if you're looking at this is a movie of jack sparrow elizabeth swan and will turner that yeah, that is an interesting word because it would be like if he's coming to them, It's all. it would be almost better. Maybe this is it. Let's just say this. Oh my God, we're getting into hypotheticals here and this is where oh, Heather no. gets crazy technical. She has a hard time grasping the hypothetical. But would it have been better if Jack Sparrow was just doing his thing with the compass? Beckett arrives... At Port Royal looking for Jack because he needs the compass to find dead man's chest. Okay. So now this is the setup. Instead, Jack wasn't looking for it at the beginning. He's like, what the hell? Dead man's chest? Yeah. He goes, I know where to find it. And then boom. We get the Turkish prison. That's where things go. And that's why he ends up with the Turkish prison key drawing and sets this whole thing in motion. So more, uh, you're thinking more of like Jack and Beckett working together as a team. No, not working together. For instance, if if Beckett comes looking for the compass, or sends yeah. Will to look for the compass, okay? Yeah. So you you can even have the whole Pelagosto scene. Will is out to look for for Jack. Yeah. Because of the whole Elizabeth Swan prison deal. The, everything that we've seen up to this point, kind of, except the Turkish prison scene. Yeah. Finds Jack on the island of the Pelagostos. He's already encountered just while sailing, bootstrap Bill, and knows that Davy Jones is after him with the the terrible beastie. And basically, Will comes after him and says, hey, Beckett needs your compass. He's going after dead man's chest, whatever the hell that is. And yeah. Jack's like, oh, dead man's chest? Really? Boom. So now you have the story set in motion because Jack is now being tormented and fearful of the re- deal he struck with Davy Jones. He right. realizes Beckett's now after dead man's chest. He's thinking, hey, I could actually parlay this into something. yeah then goes to the Turkish prison, acquires the key escapes. And now we can kind of then pick up where that left off, where he actually has the the drawing of the key now. So you just have to Mm. leave some of that out, but then it actually takes something from where Beckett initiates this as opposed to by that's a coincidence. Jack is getting dead man's chest and looking for the key. Beckett shows up out of the blue, looking for dead man's chest as well. Why are both of them all of a sudden after all this time, now looking for this. Yeah. And then I, you know, and I don't remember. And I have to look in the expanded universe if there was some talk about that beforehand. And maybe that was set in motion a long time ago yeah. that they both knew about it or were both looking for it. Right. But for the audience, for the general audience who's going to see that, wouldn't that have made me made more sense than two just random, for instance, random people? Because they didn't even know that they had a real, too much of a history together. Right. There's some hints. He left a mark on me. I left one on him. But. But they that don't could have, have all been the, done in Crossing. Yeah, they don't have all of the backstory that's going right. on with this movie. And a lot of it hadn't been written yet, for one thing. But that was the thing. What if that was the catalyst? Because then that would have really set a, a different movie in motion, or at least the as opposed to two guys just randomly looking for the same thing out of right. the blue. That may have been it's kind better. of odd that Beckett's looking for the and chess. And Jack is as well. Th- yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. Is, I think that maybe would have worked better for the yeah. movie. Yeah. For the structure of the movie. Right. Because then it takes away that crazy coincidence element and then puts it in. Why would I, you know, it puts it in this kind of thing. Jack could go, well, I have no freaking leverage if I give him my compass. He could turn around and backstab me and not even give me the letters of Mark. Right. Nor do I want the letters of Mark because I don't want to be in service to the crown. I want to be a free Roman pirate. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just giving him my compass, I'm going to go find freaking dead man's chest. I'm going to go get the key. And then that way, I have that leverage over Beckett and Davy Jones. Then now Jack, as the kind of trickster he is, would be able to try and strike two bargains. One with Beckett and one with Davy Jones. Yeah, And that would have made sense, I think, to the audience more so than what we have here. So that was a really interesting point that you brought up. Thank you. About time we acknowledged something like that. The chances... (laughs) of you successfully asking a poignant question or 3,720 to one. Really? Yeah. There you go. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to one. Never tell me the odds. It's ridiculous. Hey, it's a protocol droid. I calculate that as I see it. But that's interesting though. I think that would have worked structurally better in this movie. Now that we got completely blown away on our sound effects... Because of that question, but that was an interesting question, and I think it, it actually one we probably should have asked in the beginning, but we didn't. But it's good to bring it up here with the whole Beckett thing wanting the compass, because that's when we find also him talking to Elizabeth and stuff. Well, we find out what he's really after here. Kind of after, yeah. You know the more so than okay, we've seen that he doesn't want. He hints what he's yeah. Really after. He doesn't want. That's the thing. I mean, we don't fully get it, but he doesn't yeah. want. The Aztec gold. He doesn't want the black pearl, so we're still kind of guessing. So I guess we kind of spoiled some of that. Damn it, we spoiled it. Yeah. I think it's important to mention that because of the... Well, just the structure of the movie, but all the other elements that are going on. So anyways, I was back to the sound. It's the sound effects. I mean, the Foley department. They're adding this kind of squishy, slimy sound when Beckett sticks his ring also in the melted wax of the seal. Oh, yeah. It was really squishy, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. And I thought... What are they trying to tell us here? Beckett is a bit slimy? Is that, <laughs> what is going on with that? We get the cool, creepy music of the dead man's chest kind of thing going on. I mean, he does say the chest. There's more than one chest. So we kind of yeah, get an idea. Yeah. So, okay. So spoilers, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But anyways, he says that we get the creepy music. And then we get his ring in the wax, this squishy, slimy sound. Hey, you don't have to tell us twice that he's a person that cannot be trusted. <laughs> because, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Or is this just an over slimy sound effect? Is that is there a symbol in that? Are they trying to make us do that, or is this just a squishy sound? Well, squishy ring sound, squishy wax. You can buy squishy wax at all your favorite retailers. Maybe because they were zooming in on it. Maybe I don't know. I was just thinking too when I saw that. I might really need a golden signet ring. Seems like a nice way to seal letters <laughs> and important documents. Tell me that's not cool. <laughs> Saving them on a computer is so, so not personal, not (laughs) creative. It doesn't have the same craftsmanship appeal as a wax seal. No, exactly. Plus, they really know it's you if you have that wax seal. Kind of. I mean, nowadays, anybody can make anything, so it's a bit more difficult. But the point is, you actually get to play with fire when you're sealing a letter, because you got to melt the wax and drip it on there. You have a fire with your computer. That's not good. No. They don't go together. No, not at all. You know, Act fire if, if with you're this computer smoking. There's an issue. Yeah, exactly. So why not have wax, melted wax, and fire? There you go. I guess I'll add that to my list of gripes regarding fashion. You know, the hats, and now I have one for letters and documents. Bring back the wax and the seals. I see that this has been opened, and there's no possible way that somebody <laughs> put new wax on here and had a fake ring. <laughs> How dare they? Couldn't happen. Well, that's all I got. Actually, that's it. Yeah, that's it for me. I'm really now interested in the structure of the movie because of that. Look at I can yeah cause doubt within you. I know. It's like I've turned to the dark side on it. <laughs> it works, but I think it would have worked better, as yeah. we said. Okay. So we won't be back tomorrow, but we will be back on let's Wednesday see. with minute thirty one of Dead Man's Chest. Till then Scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum I guess. Are you sure? Yeah they can have extra horn swoggling though because we won't be back till Wednesday. Yeah because we're skipping a day. Yeah so you get Extra horn swoggling credits And then they replenish on Wednesday So use them wisely Don't do too much horn swoggling Don't use them all up Well, yeah, you don't right. want to be stuck without any horn swoggle credits Yeah, Rum credits, those are a plenty So um. rum it up <laughs> But horn swoggling, yeah, let's keep that to a minute. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again, and Season 2 is here, and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.